Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. The season of Epiphany is all about the revelation that Jesus is not only our Messiah, our Lord, and He is also our Savior. And on the last Sunday of Epiphany, uh, the transfiguration of Jesus is always read. This is the one thing, the one event that's actually read twice a year. I was talking with the family who's about to be baptized and we were talking about this. It's also read in August. But if you're a, if you're a real fan and, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it relates to the transfiguration in a very profound way, uh, you know that after you sit through about 30 minutes of credits, at the end of every Marvel movie, you always get a sneak peek at what is coming next. So, like, for example, last summer at the end of Avengers 3, we all waited for about 30 minutes to see right after Thanos snaps his finger and half the universe disappears. All of a sudden, after the credits... The key Marvel figure, Nick Fury, shows up and he sees what's happening and he presses a beeper. Why not? It's very retro. And uh, there the symbol for Captain Marvel appears. The symbol is a preview for this upcoming movie, which is released this Friday. I'm not selling. But anyway, but... Uh, um, but uh, but And there have been three previews of the upcoming movie, Mar- and they're some of the most watched previews of all time. The end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, if you remember, Ant-Man gets trapped in the quantum realm, which is an important, important preview of how Thanos is ultimately defeated. What I'm saying here is that a good preview is very, very important because it tells you something as amazing is coming. And the transfiguration, especially as the church moves into the season of Lent, beginning this Wednesday, it functions as a sneak peek. It functions as a preview of the glorious kingdom Jesus will bring with his death and resurrection. St. Luke writes, while Jesus was praying. Whenever St. Luke writes, while Jesus is praying, pay attention because something amazing is about to happen. And it says, while Jesus was praying, his face was changed and his clothes became dazzling white. It's interesting that in our reading, the exodus of Moses... Moses, in the book of Exodus, his face also shines when he came down from Mount Sinai with the tablets of the law. And in this regard, Moses functions as a type and a shadow of Jesus. However, Moses' glow, like a glow stick at a really long rave, begins to fade. I'm glad two of you laughed at that joke. But anyway, um, that was a terrible one. I knew it was going to be two. But anyway... But Moses' glory, you see, was not his own. Moses' glory was not his own. His glory was outside of himself. Moses' glory faded. And this is an illustration of the effectiveness of the Old Covenant, according to St. Paul. This is being defined by what you do for God, being defined by works of the law. This idea is fading, and it will not last, much like Moses' glory. However, Jesus' glow is different, isn't it? It comes from his very being. As we confess in the Creed, he is very light of light. Every cell and fiber of Jesus' being is metamorphosed and is radiating with the glory of God. 
The same glory that would be found in Moses' tabernacle. The same glory that would dwell in the Holy of Holies. The same glory that would lead Israel through the wilderness for 40 years. The same glory as the prophet Isaiah says that Yahweh has and he shares with absolutely no one. This glory is what is radiating and emanating out of Jesus' personhood at this very moment. It is his own glory. And it's important to note who's standing next to Jesus in this particular passage. In this glorious moment, who is standing next to Jesus but Moses and Elijah? This is very significant because if you don't know the biblical timeline, Moses lived roughly 1,500 years before Jesus, and Elijah lived 1,000 years before Jesus. And St. Luke tells us that these two prominent figures from the Old Testament... Moses embodying all of the law and Elijah embodying all of the prophets are speaking about a very specific topic. They're not talking about the weather. They're talking about something very specific. Luke tells us they are speaking of his departure, which Jesus is about to accomplish in Jerusalem. It's very interesting that in the Greek word, the Greek word for departure is they are speaking of his exodus which he is about to accomplish in Jerusalem. And this is my first point. That word exodus, they're speaking of his exodus, is very important because this makes the transfiguration a preview. A preview of what Jesus will fulfill. By fulfilling all of the law embodied in Moses and all of the prophets embodied in in Elijah... The transfiguration functions as a preview. Jesus fulfilling these things in his death and resurrection, and then through his death and resurrection, he will bring you and I into his glory. This is what it's all about. Now, Peter, James, and John were given the gift of seeing the transfiguration. However, Luke gives us through them an insight into the human reaction when we encounter God and all of his glory. The first thing that Luke says, he tells us that the apostles in that moment were weighed down with sleep. There is where we naturally are on our own. We'd like to think that we're all woke, but the truth is, before God and his glory, you and I are naturally lethargic. However, the second reaction is embodied in St. Peter when he blurts out, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. The Jacob Smith translation of this verse is, uh, let's capture this moment forever. Moses scoot in, Elijah scoot in, everybody smile, I want to capture this on my iPhone. You know what I mean? We want to capture this moment forever. I love how Luke follows up this up. He says, and Peter did not know what he was saying. I was watching a documentary uh, a couple of weeks ago on uh, the latest self-help guru named Benita Massaro and his Trifinity Method. And if you've not followed this guy, he's very interesting. Uh, He's like 28 and he has thousands and thousands of followers. And what his Trifinity method is, is it's essentially just a lot of mindfulness mixed with a five-hour sober dance and a lot of juice. And I was thinking, man, people are paying a lot of money to do that. 
that might be our theme for next year's stewardship. You know, <laughs> juicing with Jesus. And, uh, you know, this is the preview, like the transfiguration. But anyway, um, but, but it's just a preview. But that's beside the point. What's most interesting, because what he says is not interesting at all. He just sits in a big chair, cross-legged, and really slowly says, you know, the early bird gets the worm. And, like, everybody's like, damn. You know what I mean? And, like, uh, but, but what I found most interesting was is that the people who attended his Trifinity Conference in Holland, and they follow him all over the world, they were interviewing these people, and these people actually talked about the fact, they didn't talk about anything he said. What they talked about was the fact that life was hard. They talked about the fact that their life was filled with anxiety. They talked about the fact that their life was filled with lots of guilt. And so as a result, to kind of pacify these deep feelings, they would chase after a spiritual experience all over the world. They will dance for five hours sober just to pacify and get rid of that feeling. Life is hard. Literally, the next section of our gospel reading is the story of the disciples and they come down off the mountain and they meet a man whose son is possessed and they can't do anything about it. You and I, we deal with people that drive us crazy. We're engaged in hard and difficult situations at home and at work. Things don't work out the way they want them to. I was meeting with a person the other day, and we prayed and prayed and prayed for a situation, and it just didn't come into fruition. And so when we have these mountaintop kind of experiences, these transfigurations, we, like, we just want to stay in it forever. Let me build three booths and just take a break. I mean, what do you think the opioid crisis is all about? People wanting to take a break forever. The spiritual high, it gives us a break from the difficulty and the reality of life. And I'm not necessarily against spiritual experiences because sometimes they can function as a real assurance in the midst of the difficulty of a situation that God is real and that he's present. However, the problem is, is that like St. Peter... We want to stay in it forever. We want to make it the normative. And as a result, we can become spiritual junkies in search of the next dance party, the next juice, the next spiritual experience. St. Peter, a number of years later, reflecting upon the transfiguration, wrote, In his second epistle, he writes this. It's very profound. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by his majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves, St. Peter says, he says, we heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. This is my second point. When it comes to true religion, 
we ride on the coattails, not of our experience. When it comes to true religion, we ride upon the coattails of the experience and testimony of the apostles, which is the word of God. And relying on their testimony and their experience, we are given the means. We don't come up with the means. We are given the means by which we worship not the experience, but God in Jesus Christ. This is the thing. And what is then the essence of worshiping God in Jesus Christ? This is very important because before the disciples get stuck in the clouds, Moses and Elijah disappear. And they hear the voice of the Father say, This is my Son, my Chosen, listen to him. This is what true religion is ultimately about. This is ultimately what the transfiguration is about. This ultimately is what worshiping Jesus is all about. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. What the transfiguration teaches us about spirituality is this. And if you take anything away, take the Marvel credits and this. Um, what, what, what it teaches us is this. To be truly spiritual is to listen to Jesus. For Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Elijah. Jesus is greater than any guru. Jesus is greater than our collective experience and understanding. For he alone, Jesus alone has a baptism which can wash away the stain of your sin. Jesus alone gives you bread that is his body and wine that is his blood that assures you of true food and true drink, and that you are saved. And Jesus, he alone has the words of eternal life, which declares that your sins are forgiven and that you are justified before God. My dear brothers and sisters, this is my third point, And take this away with you today. Word, water, bread, and wine. These are the means by which God has ordained to experience him because these are the means by which he has placed his name and these are the means which connect us to the glory which is previewed in the transfiguration. Spiritual? It may not seem like much, but it's all we got. For in those means is the power of God unto salvation. So as you receive the word in your ear, your sins are forgiven. As you reflect upon the water that's been poured on your head in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as you receive the bread and the wine, be assured today that no matter how hard life gets, Jesus has you. Jesus has you. And just as important, you have all of him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. 
If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.